Okay, welcome everybody, and uh, let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer and get started. Father, we thank you for the, this day to, to come together and worship, and uh, we, we thank you for this time that we have to, to meet together around your word. We just ask that you would open our hearts as we look into the book of Proverbs and help us understand the, the things that we read. Help me uh, to, uh, to do well in, in my clarity of, of teaching and explanation. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we, we are, um, those of you who are following, I know there's a couple of you at least following along in the, the, the actual book that we've been using, we're in the, um, uh, the, the section that uh, would be, uh, it's chapter, I, I believe it's chapter 6, which is called Spiritual Wisdom. We spent the first five weeks in a general overview of the book of Proverbs, and uh, uh and, and last Sunday, or two Sundays ago, rather, when Darren taught, uh, and then today and next Sunday we're doing chapter 6, which is entitled Spiritual Wisdom. Looking ahead, we will, um, there'll be a chapter on personal wisdom, family wisdom, intellectual wisdom, marketplace wisdom, and societal wisdom as we finish up the, uh, the, the book uh, by uh, Dick Mayhew from uh, the seminary. It the book actually divides all these areas that I just mentioned. Is they're actually divided into 52 weeks. And the, the book is actually meant to be a year-long study through the book of Proverbs where you, where you take, um, uh, we're in spiritual wisdom right now, you take 16 weeks to go through all the verses in Proverbs that have to do with spiritual wisdom. And we're, we're compressing that into uh, into just a couple of sessions, but if you were actually following along, um, it would it would take fifty to take a whole year to go through everything that we're going to go through in this class uh, over the summer. Today, I'm going to be covering those of you that that are using the book. I'm going to be covering weeks six through ten in that devotional study. And so, if I were to if we were to look at every single proverb that is listed in the text, it would take us five weeks to get through we'd be here for five weeks we'd have to camp but we're going to uh, uh, we're going to pick just here and there a few verses and hopefully get through in about 45 minutes instead of instead of five weeks well we can uh, we could sum up the proverbs with one word wisdom and, uh, of course, we then need to make the distinction between worldly wisdom and, and the wisdom of God. And Proverbs is all about teaching us the wisdom of God, the wisdom of the Lord. And uh, a verse that I've really appreciated in Proverbs is, uh, is, ver- the, is chapter 4, verse 5. Now, we're going to do, uh, as Darren set the stage a couple of weeks ago, we're going to do a lot of page turning uh, and... Uh, and and many of you were really, really good readers, and I was very impressed. So um, I'm going to do that same thing. So, so get ready to uh, to read. And I've I've also I'm also going to have the verses up here on the on the screen. Now, your version and your I'm going to use the ESV. You may be using a different version, which is fine. But uh, um, so so they'll be up on the screen. But 
I will also call on some of you to, to read ver- these verses as we, as we go through them. And so get ready to read. And uh, those of you who aren't reading at the moment, you'll be able to see it up there since we're going to be going through lots and lots of verses. Instead of having to fumble through the pages and, and try to find everything, you'll see it up there at the same time in the ESV version. The, um, uh, now, I don't have this verse on, my, on the screen, though. <laughs> this is Proverbs. This is extra. Proverbs 4-5, uh, one of my favorites uh, in, in the whole book, that says, and I love this, just comes out and says, get wisdom. <laughs> I love that. Get wisdom. <laughs> Figure it out. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Now, these words are, of course, from Solomon, and he's referring to the instruction that he received from his father David. Get wisdom. I can, can you just picture that? David with little Solomon sitting at his side. I don't know how little he was. Maybe he was a teenager at the, at the time. Uh, but them sitting around, uh, uh, and, and mom Bathsheba was probably there as well. And, and David looking Solomon in the eye and just telling him, get wisdom, get insight, don't forget, don't turn away from the words of my mouth, do these things. This is important. Get wisdom. And a, a few verses later, he, uh, he restates the same advice in verse 7, get wisdom. So in our study today, we're going to continue this examination of spiritual wisdom how to be a spiritually wise person. And in, in, a, in obtaining, cultivating this spiritual wisdom, God has given us, these, uh, given us Proverbs, which first, our first topic in spiritual wisdom today, uh, describe his delight. In other words, what's a delight to the Lord? Spiritually, what is a delight to the Lord? So we are going to, let's see, are we ready to go, James? Do I have to do something here? Like, turn it on? <laughs> oh, yes, there's a, okay. Yeah, we, we good? All right, yay. Okay, so let's get ready to read. So we have several references. So, so um, out there, somebody get ready to read. Uh, and these are all going to, this is all easy. It's in Proverbs. Yeah. <laughs> so... Somebody get ready to read 11.1, someone else 11.20, someone else 12.22, and someone else 15.8. And what we are looking at here is, what is a delight to the Lord? Okay, who will read 11.1? So just go ahead and... Okay, so what, do, what does the Lord delight in here? What does it say? How could you put that in today's modern English? How would you paraphrase that? What would you say? What is <laughs> Don't put your thumb on the scale. <laughs> uh, especially if you're a checker at the supermarket and you're weighing somebody's produce, don't put, don't put your thumb on the scale. That's exactly right. Um, uh, don't be unjust. Be just. Have a clear conscience. 
Have a clear conscience and be just. God delights in justice. God delights in a clear conscience. Now, rather than choosing people, I think you can just be the first, uh, just try to be the first one to read, and, and let's, let's try that. So whoever, um, uh, so somebody else read 1120. Okay, blameless ways are his delight. Uh, uh, think of uh, think of uh, affections here when we think of delight. Um, God delights in righteousness. He uh, our our human affections, what we delight in, what what is righteous to us, that should correspond with what's righteous to the Lord, uh, his affections. We are to have a sincere heart. Someone else read 1222. Okay, he delights in faithfulness. But lying lips and abomination. Faithfully. God delights in our obedience. He, he delights in our, in our faithfulness. And so the question that we might ask ourselves is, well, you know, how are we acting in the world? How, can we, how do we gauge our faithfulness? Uh, what, are, what, what are we showing to the world in terms of, of, of our character and how we act? How do we live? Because the world is watching... And, of course, the Lord is watching, and lying lips, bad character, that's an abomination. But he delights in faithfulness. He delights in our obedience. And someone read 15.8. So we have sacrifice here, but is it a proper sacrifice? Because the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination, it says. So, and, the, and, the, and the problem here is not the sacrifice, but it's the attitude of the heart. Because if, if someone is deemed wicked, then there's obviously a heart problem. There's, actually an, there, there's obviously an attitude problem uh, if, if someone is deemed wicked, as it says here. But, uh, it's, but it's not the sacrifice, it's the attitude. And the wicked, of course, hope that their sacrifice is a proper sacrifice or their prayer, whatever it happens to be. And uh, for the wicked, uh, their sacrifice, their prayer is more like a, a magic spell that they want to cast and, and have kind of the Lord be their, their boy to do their own bidding, which, of course, is not <laughs> the, proper, uh, the proper attitude. The, the wicked have in mind that the that the Lord will change to their standards. This is what we want you to do, Lord. Do my bidding for me. And, and here I'll make the sacrifice to, uh, to kind of cajole you along. I'll put a carrot in front of the Lord and, and drag him along, which is not the proper, <laughs> not the proper attitude. The, the upright use sacrifice. The upright use prayer um, for the purpose that God designed. And that purpose, of course, was to establish the correct relationship between man and God. Uh, not a magical post- potion to 
to get our way, to get material ways, but to maintain the proper relationship with a holy God, conforming to his purposes, not our own purposes. Now, another section in Proverbs that, uh, that I really, um, th- this could have been the whole lesson easily, uh, is in Proverbs 8. I think I need to do that. Does that say Proverbs 8 now? Okay, and there's a whole bunch of verses there. Proverbs 8, verses 22 to 31. Here we have an interesting section. We, we, we read some of this last week, actually. And this is wisdom talking to us. This section is wisdom personified, as if wisdom were a person speaking to us. So who would re- like to read that, uh, that entire section from 22 to 31? So whoever brave wants to read a lot. Go ahead. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his works, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago I was set up the first before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with its fields, Established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limits, so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in his holy name. Isn't that a great passage? Wisdom personified. Wisdom talking to us. Wisdom um, almost bragging. Maybe bragging is not the, the best word to use, but maybe rejoicing would be better because it actually says that because in verse 30, I was rejoicing before him Always and, and and wisdom continues to rejoice. Um, in or, oh yeah, yep, definitely, definitely. Um, so we and because you you can easily <laughs> uh, equate uh, the Lord with with wisdom and put those two together, and so we have the personification of wisdom here. We we get to listen to wisdom speak. Uh, at the creation, as the Lord created the earth, wisdom says, I was there. Uh, I was there with the Lord. And the Lord delighted uh, in verse 30, I was daily his delight. I was daily uh, the delight of the Lord in creation and and rejoiced before him always. And, and so we have um, wisdom rejoicing. And so if we uh, if we get wisdom, remember Proverbs 4, 5, get wisdom, then we're going to have that DNA of wisdom within us that will compel us to glory in God's creation, just as wisdom glories in the creation also. Uh, Calvin has a, has a really nice thought to sum this up. Uh, John Calvin wrote this, There is not one blade of grass, and there is no color in this world that is not intended to make us rejoice. 
So what a great thought to just walk outside and look at God's creation and rejoice in what the Lord has done. So that's a great, and, uh, and there, there are some verses, that, that, that entire chapter 8 is a great chapter, uh, but the, the personification of wisdom, wisdom speaking to us and, and, um, about the creation. We're now going to move to uh, the spiritual wisdom uh, of God or the Lord. Now, this is a this is a huge section. If we those of you that have the text, I think that there are uh, six pages of of verse after verse after verse after verse that pertain to the Lord uh, and God in in spiritual wisdom. And we're just going to we're we're just going to look at a few. And what I decided to do in this section is to pick verses that would display an attribute of God. And so as we read these, we want to think about what attribute of God is portrayed here. And there might be, you might think of more than one, and, and that's okay as, as we look at this. And, and I, as I was reviewing this, I, um, I noticed that I was completely unorganized and all over the place. And so these verses are not in, in numerical order. And so if you're wondering, is there a reason why you jumped from you know, you, you were pretty good, 5, 15, 20, 21, then back to 18, then five, and I'm all over the place. Is there a reason for that? No reason other than unorganization. But it's okay. We're, not, we're looking at the attributes of God here. It doesn't matter where the reference is. All right. Someone read verse, uh, uh, chapter 5, verse 21. Somebody read verse 21, 521. So what, what attribute? Omniscience. omniscience. That's right. You could say knowledge or omniscience, either one. Somebody read 15.3. So what attribute is this? Could be omniscience and omnipresence. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the good, evil, and the good. Someone read 2024. So, what attribute is this? God's sovereignty. That's right. God is sovereign. 21, 30, and 31. All right. The attribute? Omnipotence. God's supremacy which is also, uh, we could also say this is the, uh, the next uh, reference as, as well, 18, um, uh, 18.10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. And so we, uh, the Lord is a strong tower. His omnipotence, his supremacy uh, is, is also um, in that particular reference. 
six, So what attribute might we say this is? Holiness. He's far from the wicked. He is holy. How about he hears the prayer of the righteous? Compassionate. He's faithful. That's right. So all those could be true here. Someone read 16.6. We have love and faithfulness. Attributes of love and faithfulness here in, in, uh, in those verses. How about, let's see, I think I need to change the screen, yes? 1427, someone read 1427. what attribute might we say this is? The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. A fountain of life. Yeah, possibly. How about, and grace. God is grace, uh, graceful to us. And uh, in the, the fact that we obtain this fountain of life. Someone read 10.3. Okay, Ben, go ahead. <laughs> does not let the righteous go hungry. Mercy, he's merciful, he's faithful. And just, he thwarts the craving of the wicked. He's just, a just God. Proverbs 3, 11 and 12 says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. So here we see the Lord's uh, love as well. He reproves him whom he he loves. And then uh, uh, someone read the next two verses, 10.29 and 12.2. You know, we see justice throughout all of uh, many of these verses, the, the justice of the Lord. But we also see the, the wrath of God uh, when we read about the destruction to evildoers. Uh, uh, but a, a man of evil devices, he condemns. And so we also see the attribute of, of God's wrath against evil. The, uh, the next uh, topic that we'll take a look at is spiritual wisdom in God's word. And we'll look at several Proverbs here. 
beginning with uh, 13.13. Here we read, Whoever despises the word brings destruction on himself, but he who reveres the commandment will be rewarded. And the commandment, uh, the word of God, and in the first part of that, whoever despises the word, uh, meaning the word of God. And so we have... uh, uh, both both parts of this, the evil and the good, uh, the, the one who uh, despises and the one who reveres the commandment. So we, we see here again justice. We talked about justice quite a bit in the attributes of God, and we see that throughout Proverbs, that the Lord is just and will, will repay <laughs> properly uh, the wicked for their deeds and uh, the righteous for theirs. And we'll, we'll talk about that more in a few minutes. But anybody who will... Uh, as it says here, uh, despise the word. Anybody who basically thumb their nose at the Lord, uh, at the at God's word, uh, and not paying it any mind, will pay their debt, pay that debt for that at the time of judgment. And the Lord will fulfill His His plan that evil evil deeds will yield consequences. And the evil deed, of course, is that of rejecting God's word. And that will be paid for by that person's eternal uh, destruction. Someone read the next uh, uh, section, Proverbs 16, verses 20 through 21. And uh, kind of the same idea as in, the, as in 13, 13, uh, the next verse, 19, 16. Whoever keeps the commandment keeps his life. He who despises his ways will, will die. And in this section, uh, if a person gives attention to the word of God and, and trusts in the Lord, he'll be blessed and uh, also will re, uh, gain the respect of the community. Here it says, and sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. This is somebody that we can listen to. This is someone who's trustworthy, someone who is obedient to the word of God and trusts in the Lord. This is a person who the community, the the church, sees as a wise person. And even in the community outside the church, uh, it's likely that they would be considered a wise person and a discerning person. And, uh, And they would... Uh, be somebody to listen to um, increases their persuasiveness. Chapter uh, thirty, verses one through six. Here's a here's a long section. Not all the proverbs are written uh, by Solomon, and he's in the last couple of in the last section of proverbs. We have uh, a section written by uh, Agur, son of uh, Jacob. And uh, we have these verses from chapter 30, verses 1 through 6, concerning the Word of God. And so let's, uh, um, let's read these together. I'll go ahead and read these. The words of Agur, son of Jacob, the oracle. The man declares, I am weary, O God. I am weary, O God. I am worn out. Surely I am too stupid to be a man. I have not the understanding of a man. I have not learned wisdom. And I'll stop there and remember, our, remember my favorite verse in Proverbs, Proverbs 4, 5. Get wisdom. 
And, and here, this person is lamenting, I have not learned wisdom. And so we have this, uh, this uh, battle going on in this person's mind that they know that I need to be wise. I need to get wisdom. I need to have insight. I need to know the Lord better. I need to gain knowledge and there's this lament. I'm weary. I'm worn out. I'm stupid. I don't understand. I haven't got it. I need wisdom. I've not learned it. So I have not learned wisdom, nor have I knowledge of the Holy One. Who has ascended to heaven and come down? And of course, <laughs> we think of the Lord, don't we? We think of Jesus Christ. Who has ascended to heaven and come down? Who has gathered the wind in his fist? Who has wrapped up the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is his son's name? Surely you know. And so the, the, first, the first four verses here, you have this lament. of, And again, we think about how the, how the book of Proverbs began and, and what Proverbs is all about in terms of getting wisdom. And you have this lament. And this is something that I think that all of us can deeply relate to. Maybe right now in your life or sometime in your life. Uh, I, I, I remember that um, years and years ago, uh, a church that we used to attend, uh, um, one of the uh, uh, things that I remember the pastor would often say is, all of us are either going into a problem or coming out of a problem. <laughs> you're either headed in, into it or you're headed out of it, one way or the other. <laughs> and sometimes both at the same time. There's always something in the world, isn't there? There's always something. I don't know about what, what it's like in your household, but uh, I know as Trisha and I talk, we think, well, you know, after the next three weeks, things will calm down. <laughs> and I hear a lot of you kind of chuckling. Yeah, right. <laughs> and that's exactly right. You know, maybe, maybe next month it'll, it'll be a little bit smoother. Maybe, you know, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> and, and, of course, uh, we've, we've gained wisdom in just realizing, you know, one day at a time. One day at a time, the Lord sees to everything in its season. And we need to trust in the Lord in, in all of that. But we have this lament that I think all of us can relate to as uh, we read these first four verses. Uh, I'm weary, I'm worn out, I'm stupid, I don't get it, I've not learned wisdom, I don't know the Lord as well as I should. What do I do? And then we have verses 5 and 6. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. But we have here every word of God pr proves true. That's the answer. That's where you find comfort. That's where you find wisdom. That's where you find knowledge of the Lord because every word of God proves true. He's your shield. He is your, your refuge. And so we have a, um, a, a comforting thought here in verses 5 and 6. And uh, it, it says the, uh, the word of God alone, every word proves true. This is a, 
kind of the, the sola scriptura here in Proverbs, that it's, it's God's word alone that we should trust. And, and here we're emphasizing and reinforcing the purity of God's word, warning against human tampering there in the last verse, don't add to these words, um, uh, uh, and, and try to conform Try to conform your thought uh, uh, to how things ought to be. Uh, not to try, in other words, don't cause the Lord to conform to your own inspiration or aspiration. It's not your inspiration, it's the Lord. So don't add to his words uh, lest you um, uh, be found a liar, it says. Uh, also, it's interesting that verse 5, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge. That's actually an, adapt- an adaptation from 2 Samuel 23.31. And some of you in your Bibles might see that reference uh, to that. That was uh, basically, uh, this, that verse was taken from a victory song of David as David was delivered from his enemies. And, and verse 6, uh, don't add to his words, that's an, ap- an adaptation from Deuteronomy 4.2. Um, and so it's kind of interesting because don't add to his words, but when that was written, the Old Testament canon was not closed. There would, there would still be more books uh, uh, added to the Old Testament. And so the reference here isn't uh, don't add to his words. It's, it's, it's not saying that the Old Testament canon is closed. Uh, that's not the point here. The point is don't try to twist the Lord into your thinking. Rely on the word alone. It's the word of God alone. And so you have to be careful that you don't try to pin your own thinking uh, on uh, what's happening like the cults do and add to the word and twist, uh, and twist it around to something that it's not. Okay, let's go to the next topic, which is uh, um, when I first saw this, this heading... I, I scratched my head initially. A good man and a, or woman. Now, so you're, I don't know if you're going to think like I thought, but as soon as I thought that, I thought, oh, wait a minute, I'm not good. <laughs> right? <laughs> no one's good. <laughs> it says the, the topic is just good man or woman, but, but Lord, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not good. But the, the, the Proverbs speak much of righteousness speak much of the righteous man. What does the righteous man do? What does the good man do? What does the just man do? And when I say man, I mean woman as well. So what, uh, what does the just, righteous, the good man, how, what, what, is, what is their character? Someone read uh, uh, chapter 2, verse 20. Somebody read 220. Is that good? Yep. will walk in the way of the good. So what we're looking at here is, is God's expectations. What does he expect of you in, in, in your behavior? The term good, again, could be uh, equated with just, with righteous, upright. Uh, the, the, what we're looking at here is a person's moral and ethical excellence. That's the point here. Like, yep, exactly. Those who, uh, uh, those who display excellence in their moral and ethical behavior are acting in the best interest of God and man. Um, are, is your character, 
is your character, is your conduct in line with the righteousness of God? Not that you're going to have the perfect righteousness of God, but are you attaining to that? Uh, is, it, is it lined up with that? And another way to put this would be, uh, uh, this is a mark of salvation. Do you have this trait in your life? Because this is a trait of a saved person. This is a, a trait of someone who is saved. Not that this saves you. It's not the cause of your salvation, but it's a trait of your salvation that you would be a person of, of character, that you'd be a just person, that you'd be a righteous person. This is a, a trait of your salvation. Someone read uh, chapter 12, verse 2, 12, 2. So a man's goodness is, is found favorable by the Lord. You're lining up with the Lord's character when you're displaying righteousness, justice, when you're displaying your goodness. And this is uh, scrutinized not by man. A man can say, oh, you're a good person. And that's kind of meaningless. You know, men, uh, man's wisdom is not the Lord's wisdom. The, the ultimate scrutiny is from the Lord. And, and he knows the heart. He knows the good devices versus the evil devices of men. And whether or not your goodness springs from the proper attitude of the heart or whether your goodness springs, um, uh, if it's uh, that proper attitude, or from selfish motives. Someone read 14.14. 14. So we have the backslider and we have the good man and both are going to reap the fruit of their ways. We have the same conclusion. One will be filled with the fruit of his ways. The other will also be filled with the fruit of of his ways. So we have uh, both situations here. The believer will persevere in his salvation. The believer, again, this is a trait of salvation, this goodness is a trait of salvation, and uh, a, a good person will be filled with the fruit of their ways. They will realize that ultimate reward of salvation here. The, uh, the, the evil person, the backslider, they, they may, may have their good and bad days, but, uh, but again, the attitude of the heart is in mind here. The backslider in, in heart, in the attitude of the heart, will be filled with the fruit of his ways, which, of course, is destruction. And we see that here in verses in verse 22 as well. Do they not go astray who devise evil? So do they not go astray? It implies, and if we go back to verse 14, the backslider, think about somebody who you typically think of as a backslider. A backslider is usually someone who you think, well, they, they were attending church for a while, yes, and now I don't see them anymore and they're doing something else that's really not becoming to the Lord, not glorifying to the Lord, is a disgrace to the Lord. And we think of them as possibly backslidden as a word that we sometimes used. But they were on the right path at one point. Do they not go astray who devise evil? Verse 22. Uh, Go astray implies that at one point 
they were on the right path, but they went astray. They, they deviated from the path. And uh, we, we think of the, the verse uh, in, in Hebrews in which the, that, that person who's tasted the fruit of the Lord, they've tasted what the community of, of, of the church is like, but then they've abandoned it. And they've abandoned the faith after tasting and we, we, we get that here, that person who maybe they were on the right track for a while, but the attitude was not the proper attitude. It was a selfish motive. They were there uh, to, please, uh, to please their own desires and their own lusts and to make themselves feel good. But ultimately, their, their wicked heart betrayed them, and, uh, uh, and they were exposed for who they really were, uh, an evil person. But those who devise good, who have the proper attitude, who love the Lord, uh, they meet with steadfast love and faithfulness. The um, next topic is life and death. And again, uh, those of you that have the, have the text, if, you, if you're following along, you can see there's a bazillion verses here, and I've only chosen a few. Uh, life and death, and the Proverbs speaks a lot to this, to spiritual life and spiritual death. But we also see uh, quite a few Proverbs pertaining to physical life, our, actually, our, our breath that we take here on earth, physical life and physical death. Someone read 12.10. So this verse teaches a lot about the sanctity of life. Whoever is righteous has regard for the life of his beast, his animal. But the mercy of the wicked is cruel. Um, In other words, uh, uh, to put this in in a... more simplistic way if you kick your dog you're really not a good person (laughs) if you kick your dog you're really not a good person (laughs) you have to love those guys i was thinking you know ben i have to admit i was thinking of you when i was reading part of this i was thinking about because i thought about chickens (laughs) because you love those chickens don't you (laughs) most of the time (laughs) You got to have you got to love them to to have them, right? So <laughs> but I don't know why I thought that Ben, but anyway I did. But <laughs> but whoever is righteous has regard for the life of his his beast. If you show if if a person shows mercy to an animal, to something that we would consider maybe lesser in the scheme of creation then how much uh, greater would they be concerned about, how much more would they be concerned about the greater part of creation, a person? Uh, If they can care, if they they care deeply for for, uh, their pet or an animal, if that happens to be, in this case, this is really talking about his beast, meaning something that he actually uses to, to make a living at or to feed his family in this case. And if a person is... Is, is treating this ox, possibly, this beast, this animal, and has regard for the life of this beast, how much more would he have uh, regard for the life of 
of people of a person. And turning that around, if a person has no regard for, uh, for uh, a beast, for an animal, you certainly wouldn't want to trust that person uh, with your life. Uh, they have no regard for an animal. It's very likely they have no regard for life in general. And there, there are lots of examples that uh, you could think of uh, here. One of, the, one of the examples that I, that I came, uh, that I thought of, would be the, the whole idea of, of, um, of abortion. Well, when I say the idea of abortion, abortion. Uh, this second part of this verse, but the mercy of the wicked is cruel. The mercy of the wicked is cruel. And our culture has characterized abortion as something merciful, that we're extending mercy to that mother by allowing her to abort the baby. We're extending mercy to society, possibly, by not putting one more person on the earth. We're extending mercy to this life who has no choice, and, and, and the culture says we are extending mercy to this baby by ending your life before you even have a choice, before you even have a chance, so that you don't have to be in the world. And the wicked, that's the culture that we live in, this wicked culture that abortion is okay, that it's actually merciful. It's been warped 180 degrees from what it should be. And so we we see that, but the the mercy of the wicked is cruel. And, um, you know, as a a school teacher, um, I'm... I've mentioned this before. Sadly, I've seen some really wicked kids, very wicked kids. And, and you know, when somebody's only 16, 17 years old, you you might think, how can you say that? How can you say that? You know, they've they've got their whole life in front of them. Yeah, they do, which makes it even sadder. You know, I hope they I hope they get wisdom, the wisdom of the Lord. I hope they come to know the Lord. Uh, and, but uh, uh, and not that every single kid I've ever had <laughs> contact with in my uh, schools has been wicked, but I've seen a lot of wicked kids, and it and it's sad. And and but the mercy of the wicked is cruel. Whenever some of those kids that I know, I know they've done very bad things, uh, and, I, and and sometimes I'm one of the ones who who's. I'll say, benefited from some of those bad things. Whenever they extend some sort of kindness to me, to be honest with you, I'm always a little bit wary of that. I'm always wondering, okay, if they hold the door for me, am I going to get a knife in the back? Not literally, but um, because the mercy of the wicked is cruel. The intentions of the wicked are cruel. But the righteous has regard for the life of his beast. Even the lowest animal, the, the righteous has regard for that life. And the proper attitude of the heart in how we treat people and how we view people. But the wicked, even, even the merciful things that the wicked do, can be cruel. The attitude is not proper. Proverbs 14, verses 29 and 30. Hasty temper is 
So, so here we have uh, some verses that, that actually speak to our physical life that, that if, we can, if we have a tranquil heart, uh, if we have a more serene life, it's actually good for us physically. This verse isn't, really, verse isn't necessarily talking about spiritual life, but our physical life. And, and uh, how many of you, and you don't have to raise your hand, but some of you may have been to your doctor and your doctor says, you need to calm down. <laughs> You've got too much stress in your life. You're going to shorten your life by about 30 years if you continue on this path of too much stress. You've got to figure out how to, how to just, as, uh, as the kids would say, you've got to chill. <laughs> you've got to figure out uh, how, to, how, to, how to chill, basically. <laughs> Relieving stress can lengthen a person's life. Uh, a, a tranquil, serene life is a preserved, of course, resting in the Lord is how we can do that. Verse, uh, the next verse, the uh, next reference, 1923. For the fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied. The fear of the Lord gives us a, 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 satisf- a satisfaction of rest, and we won't be visited by harm, that harm that uh, stress can actually shorten the years of, of our life. The, um, the next topic is sacrifice and prayer and i'm almost out of time so i'm just going to go through these real quick uh 1529 the lord is far from the wicked but here's the prayer of the righteous the lord's available to to the saved those of us that know the lord and enjoy salvation he hears our prayers but when a wicked man when a man who is not saved when they pray the lord does not hear those prayers it's it's useless. The, the wicked the wicked think maybe that something that the Lord will somehow uh, uh, help them, and maybe in 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 the world in in the common grace that we all enjoy, maybe they will uh, have some relief from whatever it is that they uh, from whatever distress that they have. But the Lord hears the prayers of the righteous, not the unrighteous. The Lord hears the prayers of those who are saved, not those who are. Uh, unsaved 2025 it's a snare to say rashly it is holy and to reflect only after making vows in other words have you counted the cost have you counted the cost god's not deceived by some pretentious piety Uh, by by lord i'll do this for you if this Lord, I'll do this for you if you do this for me. And we, and we bargain with the Lord that if, if you'll do this for me, Lord, then I will, uh, I will do the dishes for my wife for the next three months. Lord, if you uh, allow me to make $10,000 more next year, I will, uh, I will mow my neighbor's lawn for six months. You know, and we make these weird deals. <laughs> These strange deals with the Lord, uh, uh, and then and then we don't follow through. Lord, if you do this for me, then I'll do this. Lord, if you do this for me, then I'll do this. And then, where's the follow through? Often, usually, there's no follow through at all. Um, in other words, we're lying to God, and we really don't count the cost. And and the classic the classic example here would be Ananias and Sapphira. Say we're going to do this for the Lord, and they're holding and they're holding something back. And they're struck dead. And they're struck dead on the spot. A person who makes a vow and then retracts it, they obviously weren't 
counting the cost. There was no thought as to the penalty that might ensue by neglecting that vow. Basically, they're placing the Lord in secondary importance. They're not really placing the Lord first uh, uh, by doing that. It's almost as if, you know, I'll dangle this carrot in front of you, Lord, and you can do my bidding, and then I'll do something for you. That's not the way it works. The wise man uses a sober, well-balanced approach uh, and not <laughs> doesn't create these bargains with the Lord. Finally, um, the, the last topic is reward. And um, reading 11.18, the wicked earns deceptive wages, but one who sows righteousness gets a, a sure reward. And so we, we again have this contrast between the wicked and the righteous. And uh, here, the wicked earns deceptive wages. And think of, think of eternal wages here. Don't think of the, the, the paycheck that you're going to get at the end of the month or next week. But think of heaven and hell. Think about eternity. And the wicked, through his devices, through his motives, earns deceptive wages. They think, because of their goodness, that they're going to achieve eternal life. They think because of what they've done good in the world. And they could point to lots and lots of things. But Lord, I did this for you. Lord, I did this for you. Lord, I fed the, I fed the hungry. You know, I cared for my neighbor. Lord, I did all these things for you. And in the end, without Christ, without the proper attitude, it's rubbish. It doesn't mean a thing that they were a good person But in the eyes of the Lord, they weren't righteous. But the one who sows righteousness gets a sure reward, has the surety of heaven. And that righteousness, where does that righteousness come from? Only through Jesus Christ. If your righteousness comes from any other place other than Jesus Christ, it's worthless. It doesn't matter how many poor people you fed. It doesn't matter how many hours you spent picking up trash on the highway. It doesn't doesn't matter how many hours you spent teaching Sunday school. Jane, it doesn't matter how many weeks you spent with the twos and threes. (laughs) Which, in my opinion, should be a heavenly reward. But... (laughs) You should be... Is Martha here? Martha's not here. I'd say the same thing to her. Because that's rough duty. <laughs> it's, it, it's rewarding. But without the righteousness that only comes through Jesus Christ, none of that counts. It doesn't matter. And so when we read the one who says righteousness, we have to, anytime you see the word righteousness in Proverbs, you must superimpose the word Christ over the top of that. You must superimpose the word Christ Every time you see righteousness, every time you see goodness, any time you see upright in the book of Proverbs, you superimpose the word Christ over the top of that. 31, if the righteous is repaid on earth, how much more the wicked and the sinner. This scripture is, uh, Peter used this 
in 1 Peter chapter 4 to comfort the Christians who were being persecuted by Nero at the time. And they were suffering greatly. And he used this, the righteous are repaid on earth. How much more the wicked and the sinner. And they, were, they saw much wickedness and much sinning as they were persecuted, uh, the Christians uh, at that time. And then finally, the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches, honor, and life. Riches and honor may not come to us in this lifetime, but through our, hu- our humility, our fear of the Lord, our righteousness, uh, we will someday obtain all of that. Uh, and, and, and really, the riches and honor really don't matter, but we will have eternal life with, with the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for, for all of these Proverbs that we've read today, and, and uh, we, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, who makes all of this real. Uh, so many of these Proverbs we, we may read and, and wonder, how is this attainable? We, we might um, have the same attitude as the man that we read in chapter 30, that how can we do this? How can I attain this? I'm stupid. How do I get wisdom? Father, we thank you for your word that is wisdom. We thank you for your son who is wisdom. Uh, we, we thank you for the triune God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit who, uh, uh, who gives all wisdom. And we, we thank you for the teaching uh, that we've had from your word today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.